Well, welcome once again, those of you who are joining us online and those of you who are here with us in church today. It's so great to see you all and to be part of the gathering. We've been in a series which we have called This Is Us. This is our fourth part of the series, and we have titled this series, We Grow. This is a series where we have been going through the values statement of Elam Chapel, talking about those things that are important to us and those things that shape us. These statements are not... They're not only descriptive, and they're not only prescriptive. They're, they're a bit of both. In, in ways, they describe things that we are, but they also describe things that we want to be. And they're things that we're growing into, and things that we're becoming, and things that we're aiming towards as well. So we have nine values up on our wall. They are, we love God, that we love God with all of our heart, our soul, our mind, and strength, that our relationship with Him is our, the most important thing. We love people because people are worth counting. We love people from all generations and all nations. We value relationships. We are compassionate. We share the good news. We bring our best. We are all learners. We are contributors, and we are part of the church. We focused on different aspects, different values, during the different weeks. Our first week we talked about primarily we love God, but we also talked about how we are contributors, and we talked about practical ways that we can love God in return. Our second week, John shared about our values of loving people and valuing relationships, and last week, Bobby shared a wonderful message on the value of compassion and how that value leads us into our value of sharing the good news and how important that is. This week, we're going to be focused on the values of we bring our best and we are all learners. As I said before, collectively, we've titled this, We Grow. So let's open with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you for today. Lord, there's so much going on in our world. We pray that you would quiet our hearts, that we could be here, that we would be present. Silence aches and pains in our bodies so that we can be attentive to you. Silence the notifications on our phones and the reminders in our minds, Lord, that we can be in this moment with you and not drawn to other places. We pray, Lord, that we would be your people, that you would work in our hearts today to show us something new, to call us to yourselves in a greater way. Amen. So the first value that we're going to be talking about today is the value of we bring our best. And we've sort of put a descriptor under this downstairs where we say, we bring nothing less than our best in serving God. And this is a terrific value. This is one that I, I hold very dearly. And, but I think it's worth bringing up that the idea of bringing our best is not the same as requiring perfection. Because we are not perfect people. I don't know if you've noticed Perfection is not what God requires of us. If it was, we wouldn't need Jesus. That being said, to bring our best is to make the effort, to recognize our need, and to make a genuine attempt. It actually makes me think of, I mean, surprise, surprise, this makes me think of something from the Bible. Who'd have thunk he's going to go there? In Revelation chapter 3, verses 14 to 22, At the beginning of this strange last book of the Bible, John relates 
a series of letters to different churches in the Christian world. And in this section, he's speaking to the angel of the church in Laodicea, which is in the area which we know today as Turkey. These are the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the ruler of God's creation. I know your deeds, that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire so that you can become rich with white clothes to wear so that you can cover your shameful nakedness and salve to put on your eyes so that you can see. Those whom I love I rebuke and discipline, so be earnest and repent. Here I am. I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with that person and they with me. To the one who is victorious, I will give the right to sit with me on my throne, just as I was victorious and sat down with my father on his throne. Whoever has ears, let them hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Be hot or cold. What a fascinating metaphor. And the rest of this passage, I mean, it, it makes this interesting comment about, I am rich, right? I have acquired wealth, I require no thing. And many of us Christians feel that way. How does the song go? I once was lost, but now I'm found, right? We have the amazing grace that saved a wretch like me, right? I, I had nothing, I was poor, but now that I've found Jesus, I have great wealth, and that's true. But Jesus here is saying, but you're not hot. You're just lukewarm. You, you think that you've found those riches, but there's more. There's more. Come to me, and I will bu- you can buy from me gold that has been refined in the fire and white clothes to wear. Jesus is talking about the righteousness and the becoming more like God that is available to every Christian if we just push into him, that we need him. We need to be bringing our best. We need to not be complacent and make the effort in our lives to recognize our need for God and the need for change in our lives, even those of us who have already made Jesus Lord, because it's so easy to come to church on Sunday, to get up in the morning and say, yeah, Jesus is my God, and then live like everyone else. How about another encounter? And this one really, I think, encapsulates this idea for me. In Luke chapter 7, Jesus is having dinner at the home of a Pharisee named Simon. And there's a woman there. The Bible says that she lived a sinful life, and it doesn't elaborate. If we had to guess, based on her owning of this expensive jar of perfume and, frankly, just the options available, we would say that she was probably a prostitute. But we don't know. So feel free to insert whatever you need to there to make this story make sense for you. This woman comes in to where Jesus is having dinner, and it's worth noting that they laid down to eat, right? So Jesus' feet are out like this. He's not sitting at a table the way that we were. But this woman begins to weep over Jesus' feet, and she wets his feet with her tears. And then she wipes his feet off with her hair, and she pours a jar of expensive perfume 
onto his feet. In that culture, as in many cultures today, the feet were considered one of, if not the, dirtiest parts of the body. And that, frankly, had a lot to do with practicality. You go walking in the roads wearing sandals where there are animals pulling things, and the roads are not paved, right? This is all dirt. This is all gravel. You're going to get, think about your car, right? Your car gets pretty dirty just driving on paved roads, never mind when you go down a gravel road. So the feet are considered incredibly dirty. On the other hand, hair in this culture was a very private part of the body. Women covered their hair, and they basically only revealed it to their husbands. The parallel account of this story that we find in Mark 14, which is the same story, just told from a slightly different angle, tells us that the bottle of perfume was worth a year's wages. So this woman has taken an incredibly valuable item and a part of her body with deep cultural value and significance, and she has used them to love what is culturally the lowest, the dirtiest part of Jesus. She brought the best thing that she could possibly bring, and she offered it in love to God. The story concludes with this strange saying, Luke 7, 47, whoever has been forgiven little loves little. Now, Jesus is not saying that your problem is that you haven't sinned enough. Right? Can we agree that that's not what Jesus is saying? On the contrary, Jesus seems to be saying that the difference between this woman and this Pharisee, this teacher of the law, this holy man, is that this woman realizes just how badly she needs Jesus. They are equally lost before God. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, as Romans 3 says. But because she has realized this and been forgiven of all of that sin, it has motivated her to bring her best to God. And this is our story too. As we see and recognize how we have fallen short, on the one hand, we see how we've fallen short, and on the other, we see the incredible mercy and love of God. It motivates us to run towards God, to bring him everything that we have, and to offer it wholeheartedly. So, how do we do that? Practically speaking, well, make sure you're bringing something. What are you bringing to God? Maybe you can't bring your best right now, but like bring something. Don't, don't come before God who did everything for you, who puts breath in your lungs empty-handed. And this, this calls back, many of the values touch each other, right? Which is good. But this calls back to our value that we are contributors and not consumers. We, uh, as we were writing these values, we, we went through a couple of different wordings. And one of them was in, in this value, the bringing contributors and not consumers. We talked about bringing our time, talent, and treasure. And um, a couple of us didn't like that very much. So instead, we tried bringing... Uh, what was it? Um, cash, calendar, and qualifications, which got me accused of being an alliterator, to which I replied, no, no, I'm a rhymer. When you bring your time, when you bring your time to God, 
that means that you're volunteering, right? You're, you're doing something. And it, it doesn't have to be something hard, right? It can be basically anything. And I would contrast that with bringing a talent, right? Because talent is still giving time, right? When you bring a talent to God, when you bring something that you have a skill, it's different. And for example, there is a difference between deciding that you're going to serve at the children's sign-in desk, right? Versus saying, I'm an accountant in real life, and I'm going to be part of the finance team. Or my dad and I, my, my dad's a contractor, and I've done lots of work with him. My dad and I painted in the church, right? Bringing, bringing a skill, something that you use to earn money, something that you can market, is there's something different there than, than just volunteering your time, right? And, and I'm not at all degrading giving your time, but I'm just, just making the distinction. And bringing treasure means to contribute finances or direct items for use. Like when we bring food for the food bank, that is bringing treasure, that is bringing items to be used in God's house to serve people, to love people. Don't forget, next week we're having our food and fun drive for Thanksgiving. I think this is so important. I love that our church does this, that we have this opportunity to give to our community, to care for the people who are in need, and I really hope that we can just cover this table next week. Bringing our best means feeling a stretch. It doesn't mean that you give everything. It doesn't mean that you decide to donate your entire paycheck and live out of a cardboard box, right? We have responsibilities, we have obligations, and you're not wrong to have those things, right? My care for my children doesn't mean that I don't give anything to God. And likewise, my giving to God doesn't mean that I don't care for my children, there is there's a balance there, and the, the best way to find that balance is to look for feeling stretched. If you're, if you're not giving anything right now, maybe tithing seems, maybe 10% seems completely out of reach. But maybe you can do five bucks to, towards the food bank or towards the church or what, whatever it is. Maybe you're tithing, but you're feeling convicted that you actually need to be giving 10% of your income from before taxes. And there, there's a stretch, right? Because that's going to that's gonna up it, and you're feeling stretched by that. And then eventually you, you realize how to make everything go, and, and you, you just keep pushing that as long as you're feeling that stretch. You don't have to be broken, but as long as we're stretching, we can be confident that we're pushing our comfort levels and that we're bringing what we can to God, that we're doing our best because Jesus did everything that God gave him to do. Jesus left nothing undone. And as we desire and endeavor to be conformed to the image of the Son, that is our goal too, that we would leave nothing undone. Which brings us to our second value for today. We are all learners. After saying all of that about bringing our best and doing everything that we can, this value, we are all learners, this value is an acknowledgement that we are not perfect and that we are going to fall short in that goal and in others. We are all learners. We have not arrived. There are no perfect people here. Somebody's going to hurt you. Somebody's going to offend you. Somebody's going to say a word you don't like. And then I'll introduce you to the rest of the congregation. 
The idea that we are all learners is about not claiming that we have arrived. We should still defer to godly wisdom and experience, and there can be people who are further down the road than we are, and we can help those who aren't as far along as we, but we don't claim to know everything. 1 Corinthians 13, verse 12, this is from the love chapter, but we're not reading those verses. Paul says, for now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And what this means, this means we don't know everything about God. We don't know everything about how we should live. Now, what we know is true. What we've received in the Bible, what Jesus has shown us, that's true. But I do not believe that we are able to hold even what we've been given. When was the last time you opened your Bible and said, was that there last time? Right? Because we forget. We read parts of the Bible and we forget. We can't hold all of it in our minds at once. There is more to God than we realize. Even of what he's already given us, there's more than we can realize. And so recognizing that, that right now we see only as a reflection in a mirror, that it's like we're seeing through a veil, keeps us humble and keeps us from thinking that we know everything. The other aspect of this value is that we try new things. The truth is, we don't have an order of service that was given to us from the Bible. We have one for today. I've got one right there on the pew. It says that after this, after this sermon, we're going to be singing Living Hope. Who likes that song? I like Living Hope. I really like that song. I know that's happening. That's our order for today. But we didn't get that from the Bible. The Bible didn't give us an order. It didn't give us a song list. It didn't give us a preaching plan we have to come up with some of these things ourselves. I mean, look at this stage, right? We've got curtains, we've got these lights. Some weeks we have an organ, sometimes we don't. This week we've got the wooden pulpit back, last week we didn't. We're trying different things, we do different things, and that is great. Because we get to try stuff out. We get to try different things to appeal to different people and try somehow to be all things to all men that we might somehow reach some. Some of you may know Pastor Craig Rochelle, who pastors a church called Life Church, and they have a value which they describe as we will do anything short of sin to reach people who don't know Christ. I think that's a very powerful value. And that's part of what we're talking about when we say that we are all learners. Because the most important thing is that we are reaching people for Christ that we are becoming more like Jesus, that we are finding those ways to push further, to, to stimulate that growth, to till the soil of our hearts so that we can receive. Fundamentally, this is about humility. Humility that we don't have all the answers. Humility that we don't always know the best way to do things. Humility to ask for help, to grow, and to learn. We do all of this, all of these things comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 29, where we read to be conformed to the image of the Son. That is the goal. That is what this is all about. We bring our best. We are all learners because we want to be more like Jesus every day. Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, thank you for meeting us today. Thank you for being here. Thank you for opening your word in our minds and our hearts and being with us. We pray, Lord, that you would cover over those seeds that have been planted, that you would make them grow because you, God, are the only one who can. You are the only one who changes hearts. You are the only one who heals. Lord, we thank you. We want to be your people. Be with us as we go this day. In your name we pray. Amen.